Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 367. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of this special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 367. Less than a month ago, I traveled to Charleston, South Carolina, where I spoke at the Southern Flower Symposium, hosted by Low Country Flower Growers. A number of wonderful and incredibly talented farmers and designers participated in the one-day conference, which was themed Future Forward Flower Success. It was a fabulous time, and I was honored to be invited by and hosted by today's guest, Jim Martin. As a veteran horticulturist who has had a long career in public gardens, Jim works for the Charleston Parks Conservancy. As a flower and veggie grower, he owns Compost in My Shoe, which originated as a garden blog and is now also the name of Jim's farming enterprise. Jim and his partner, David Vagaski, live incredibly creative lives on James Island, where there are lazy fans suspended above one's bed, where there's a covered porch with comfy chairs where you can sit and gaze at the lush green garden while sipping a glass of wine. Jim and David, along with their three friendly pups, took very good care of me. David is a culinary instructor, talented chef, and chocolatier, a pedigree which immediately won me over. My friendship with Jim dates back about 10 years through the Garden Writers Association, which found us serving on a long-range strategic planning task force in 2011, a volunteer role that cemented our affection for one another. How wonderful for me that Jim has always been a student of floral design, having presented on the national stage at past American Institute of Floral Designers conferences. He is currently a candidate for the European Master's Certification with Hitomi Gilliam and Tomas de Brun. Floral design and growing flowers brought us together more frequently than our garden blogs ever did, and I'm excited to share Jim's story today during our podcast. It's an inspiring convergence of horticulture and floriculture. Here's a bit more about Jim Martin from Compost in My Shoes about Page. Jim Martin's relationship with the land began on a dairy farm in northern Ohio. Caring for the soil was what they called organic farming. A move to the Palmetto State at age 13 meant learning to garden in a foreign land. His 25-year career in horticulture is coming full circle with compost in my shoe. Jim's lifelong relationship with the land is shared through his garden design, boutique farming, and teaching and consulting. Compost in My Shoe is dedicated to growing and developing high-quality produce, flowers, products, and services while nurturing the life-giving bond we all have with the land. 
As I mentioned, Jim is one of the co-founders of the Low Country Flower Growers, along with Laura Muburn of Feast and Flora and Peachy Trudell of One Wild Acre. Low Country Flower Growers is a registered 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to serving the Charleston and Low Country flower farming community through public advocacy and private educational opportunities for Southern growers. In 2017, seven Low Country flower farmers met to discuss their commitment to producing beautiful, high-quality floral crops for coastal South Carolina. They knew that locally grown produce prized for its exceptional flavor and quality is vital to part of the low country economy. The farmers agreed to work together to set the same high standards for the locally grown bouquets, gracing the tables of their customers. Low Country Flower Growers was incorporated in 2017 and received federal tax exempt status in 2018. In that brief time, the group has hosted multiple events to raise public awareness about locally grown flowers, particularly during the 2017 and 2018 American Flowers Week campaign. And most recently, they hosted the Southern Flower Symposium. Before we turn to my interview with Jim, recorded on August 29th when there was no hint of a hurricane called Florence, I want to update you on our flower farming community in Charleston. Jim and I spoke a few days ago, and he reported that the area avoided the worst of the storm, of the hurricane. Jim and David and their dogs were not required to evacuate, and the hurricane was downgraded considerably last weekend. Areas between Wilmington and Myrtle Beach were hit hardest, and elsewhere, heavy, heavy rains and some flooding occurred. If you've heard of any flower farms sustaining damage or loss, please let me know. I'd like to know about it. Despite compost in my shoes, good fortune this time around, Jim added this, quote, most people are clueless about what farmers go through. Everything they've worked for can be gone in an instant, changed in a storm, hurricane, or flood. And we just start over. Profound and humbling to say the least. Please visit DeborahPrinzing.com to find today's show notes for episode 367, where you'll see lots of photos of Jim and his flowers, floral designs, and community, including images from the recent Southern Flower Symposium. I'll also have links to all of his social places. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to introduce my guest, Jim Martin of Compost in My Shoe. Isn't that a great name? Just stop and think about that for a minute. Compost in My Shoe. Can we all relate? Hi, Jim. <laughs> How are you? It's so good to be here. Oh, with my you. gosh. It is good to be together. But I'm at your house in Charleston, South Carolina on James Island, um, which is amazing. You can hear the What are those bugs we're hearing? Cicadas. Okay. They just, they're just like the soundtrack to your life. They are. This time of year. Okay. There's little huge bugs, and they're a wonderful addition to the low country in the summer months. Yes, so it's it's our atmospheric uh, audio. Um, Jim and his cohorts with Low Country Flower Growers just hosted me among a huge crowd of people uh, at the Southern Flower Symposium on Monday. And um, I, why don't you talk a, bit, a little bit about that, and um, then we'll, we'll go on to other topics. Sure. So... Over the last few years, several of the growers here in the Low Country have been sort of talking about this idea of how can we collaborate with each other, how can we learn from each other. You know, we're a young group of growers, and there's a lot of experience out there. And as a single person trying to figure all that information out, as well as not really knowing what everybody else is doing out there, mm -hmm. 
it didn't make much sense. Mm -hmm. And so this past year we formed the Low Country Flower Growers and it's a fantastic opportunity for us to talk education, not only within our own ranks, but to also talk about education and how it relates to the marketplace. Um, we know that there, as far as the slow flower movement goes, that there's uh, a lot of interest out there, mm -hmm. but it's also, at least in the South and on the East Coast, it's not one of those things that's as well known yeah. as it is in, you know, the, on the West Coast, mm -hmm. and you know, where, which I've been very fortunate to travel and talk with a lot of growers there and to see what you've been doing over the years and reading your fantastic books. And, and so <clears throat> what we've seen is that because of what we are here in Charleston, we're a wedding and event destination. Mm -hmm. And so people come here all the time. And luckily, because they're coming here, they're asking for things based on what they see in their cities. Mm. And a lot of these people come from cities where the idea that we're, I want a wedding that has to do with this place that I'm having the wedding in, mm -hmm. is such a, it's becoming a huge yeah. thing. I mean, it's already happening in food, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah. yeah it, in hospitality. Right. And, and, and it has. So uh, we formed last year, we became a nonprofit. So we do have our nonprofit status, which was a lot of fun. That's pretty ambitious. Like less than a year you pulled that off because I know groups talk about it forever and never right. follow through. <laughs> well, we have we have somebody in our group who's a, a really go-getter uh, in that respect, <laughs> Laura Melbourne, and luckily with with her help, she sort of spearheaded that. Yeah, um, get that out of the way. Right, get that out of the way. And then um, I my, my role has been more in the programming area, mm -hmm. and yes, everybody's helped out, but I've sort of been the one at those meetings that have been screaming, programs, 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 we need to do stuff. And so... Uh, with that, we've been doing some things that uh, locally that promote slow flowers and 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 yourself and ourselves mm -hmm. within the uh, community in large. So things at the farmers market uh, during American uh, Flowers Week, and then we just had this program which focused on information for growers. Right now, it was a one-day symposium. Uh, your kind of keynote. A kickoff speaker was Rita Anders of Cuts of Color, right? Who's basically in west of Houston. Um, I thought it was a brilliant idea to invite Rita because um, some many parallels in her growing culture that as there are here, right? Similar zones. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the difficult thing. If you look at the marketplace and you look at the information that's out there, a lot of it is northern based and western based, and it's just not as applicable to us and while everybody says oh well you can just change the dates and it fits the same way it's not so true i think mm -hmm. um you know we have nuances of where we live in the south and luckily someone like rita who's in the houston area it does uh move to what we're doing yeah almost you know uh verbatim well i watched you when she was presenting and you were like so hyper and excited that oh everybody was every those no those pens were like yeah like every flower that she featured was something that uh would do really well here well the best part about what she does is she's at that stage in her career where she's been through all the stuff right so she knows what's selling in her marketplace she knows all the high-end flowers so everything she was showing up there was all the high-end flowers yeah and you know it's like why not start there hello yeah. you know and you can all grow sunflowers. We can all grow sunflowers. We can all, and, and yeah, there are some beautiful, cool, cool new things coming through with those, yeah, which absolutely. are great because for the designers that we work with, yeah, they're yeah. going to want the the blushed, 
you know, uh, ray sure. flowers mm -hmm. and the white, you know, uh, ray flowers mm -hmm. and the sunflowers and some of the other nuances. But let's face it, ranunculus, anemone, dahlia, I mean, the things that she went through and the way that she's growing those, um, it was, it's priceless. That I mean, great. So. Well, I was excited to that you invited me to come talk a little bit about my forecast for 2019. I, I felt like there was a good vibe in the room and people were came along with me, even if some of my ideas were um, a little progressive or outrageous. But in general, what I responded to was how broad the attendance was. It wasn't just Charleston, South Carolina, Georgia. Yeah, it was Georgia, Florida, and uh, North Carolina, yeah. and then throughout the, our entire state. So. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And this whole group came from um, SC Upstate, which is a group kind of like little country. Fantastic group, yeah. and they're they're a little bit older than us as far as how they've been together, uh -huh. and they're they're also more mature growers, so they've been through um, a lot that let, lets us learn from that. And that's so. just another region of South Carolina. It right? is, yeah. Well, congratulations, I think, to you and your whole uh, team of leadership in Low Country Flower Growers, especially um, Laura uh, from Feast and Flora. You guys really pulled it off. With sponsors and yeah, we had sponsors. The things. Charleston County Farm Bureau locally um, sponsored us. The Low Country uh, Local First, which is a really fantastic group that basically supports what's going on with the uh, <coughs> with local businesses mm -hmm. and that and what how it affects the economy. And then Syndicate Sales, which which to some may have seemed a little bit odd because this was sort of a growers event, but because of the the floral part of what mm -hmm. we did for the program. Um, we were able to use some really beautiful containers and very varied in the in what they were. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was one of the most exciting things to sort of get them involved with it. Well, that was the third part of the day, which was um, we talked about farming. There was also a farmer panel. Then I talked about kind of forecasting in terms of broader um, shifts that are happening in uh, farming and floral. And then we had this fun group of you and two other designers, each taking on a challenge of a theme. And that's so cool. That's the louder cicada, right? <laughs> that's the granddad. That's the really happy one. <laughs> um, you, you and um, two other designers each took had all local flowers that all the farmers brought in, but with a design theme that was... Relating to millennials yeah, and their buying habits. How do millennials respond to floral design? Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll show some pictures of that. So you right. handled, uh, you explored structure and architecture in the, the arrangement, which I thought was so fabulous. And that will be revealed why that was so important, um, because I'm going to ask you some other questions. And then um, Anne from Purple Magnolia, is that Purple the name? Purple Magnolia. She did wild and, and kind of... Wild and natural. Okay, yeah. And then Tony from Roadside Blooms did more of collections. She did collections and what that concept. And so we were able to take each of those topics and sort of weave, a, weave three designs that resonated with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I and I will. I took lots of photos, so we'll show some. Yeah, of great. Them. So why are you a flower farmer, composting my shoe, also doing floral design? This is your other half of your, of your passion and your life. Is you've always done floral design, right? Right, and. So I've always, first of all, as a kid, I grew. So I, you know, my first, I, I know my first plant was a marigold. Really? Uh, which is strange now because I'm actually allergic to the foliage now. Oh, no. <laughs> and whenever I go out in the field and cut, I'm, I get a rash. But I mean, You're having flashback. A, but no, you were, you were growing as like, it, like 
under two. I had, I was growing like outside in the garden. Yeah. You know, we had a huge garden. Like a school kid. School kid, yeah. yeah like I was in the fourth grade. Okay. <clears throat> and, okay. you know, I was buying seeds from seed companies and I was doing all that stuff that no kids my age were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. In Cleveland, Ohio. We had a farm in Geneva, Ohio, okay. which okay. is east of Cleveland, okay. and it was absolutely fabulous property. And so, so you were just uh, you, you somehow that just appealed to your ten-year-old self. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it was the deal. Uh -huh. It was the deal, and it it never ended. It never stopped. So um, early on in high school, I decided what I wanted to do in college. And then halfway through college, I was already starting to look for a job, was doing internships. And so... And this was all like in horticulture primarily, all in, right? Oh, it was all entirely in horticulture. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I also knew early on I wanted to work in botanical gardens, which mm -hmm. has been most of my career. But about eight years ago, I decided that I wanted to grow. Okay. Commercially. Okay. And I knew I couldn't do it full time because I do have a wonderful job and I didn't want to do anything about that, but yeah. continued to do that. So I took this on as a side thing. Okay. Um, so now I work basically 24 hours a day, but it's <laughs> all worth it, right? Yeah. So composting my shoe, the, the business name emerged when you started farming. The bit, no, not oh. actually. The business name emerged from a blog that I wrote for about seven years. That's how I think we first right, met. Right, that's how we yeah. met. And so I called it composting my shoe because of the whole idea that the way we relate to nature and, and the earth, we have to give back because we take so much. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of compost, which is one of those things that we add. Right. So, it, you know, it was about that. Yeah. And also, because of what I did for my, all through my career, you know, I did have those days where I had to wear the nice shoes and the dress up and do the tie <laughs> and all that. And there inevitably, there'd be a Friday afternoon. I wanted to work in the garden all weekend. I need a load of compost. So I drove the truck up and they would pour the the, you know, the compost in the truck and, you know, it'd be falling off the sides and into my shoes. So, Spilling. you know, here you had nice Italian shoes with, <laughs> with poop in them, you know, so basically. basically. So, the, and I just thought, you know, this, this, it resonated with me as far as what it was, but it's also one of those names that nobody forgot. Yeah. And, I, I and, and, and nationally, because of the blog, no one knew who I was. They just knew the blog name. Yeah. So yeah. I knew as far as the starting a business that that was a smart thing. Okay. So you had it as a blog and then it kind of became the farm name. Um, and tell us about um, your mix of what you grow. You started with veggies, right? Right. Vegetables and herbs. And the reason for that was early on I decided I looked in the marketplace to see what was going on with CSA farm shares, uh, community supported agriculture. And what we call it as a farm share because it makes more sense yeah. to me. And what I was finding was, is that far, as far as how the market had changed over a 10 to 12 year period, it hadn't. They were still charging, every, all the farmers in the area were still charging the same thing. You were still getting the same kind of thing in your boxes. And I wanted to do something that would set us apart from that. So what we did was we said, okay, we're going to start giving herbs on a regular basis mm -hmm. because it's one of those things in the United States, as far as everyone would use dried herbs, you right. know, in those little containers yeah. and um, and I just didn't see much point in that, especially since we can grow so many different herbs. Especially so we would, in this climate, right. right? And so we would teach people how to use them um, through our programming with our CSA Farm Share. And, and at the same time, grow vegetables that a nice diversity. And then when, when did you start emphasizing 
flowers more. Yeah, so I'd always grown flowers, right. but I hadn't thought of, I hadn't really uh, started growing them as uh, in the production sense. Right, like volume. Like volume, yeah. right. And what I found was while I can grow anything, the idea of scheduling production, what that means, how much to grow, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. So the last three or four years has been about that. So and I've learning. been learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you and many of your fellow um, growers, uh, flower growers, and probably vegetable growers have had some horrible seasons lately with flooding and hurricanes right. and all. Yeah. But um, in in general, what are your favorite crops that you've been growing um, for, for cut flowers? You know, <clears throat> uh, it, it has been sort of the what I call the farmer's market fair because mm -hmm. it was the things that you, again, that you want to try first. But like and they're the, easy, right? And they're easy, right? Yeah. And and I I grow eighty percent from seed, but that's starting to change. Um, so this past two years, I've started working with plugs. Mm -hmm. And what it's uh, what I found and what I heard at the the symposium was, for us in the south to get past the summer season, but to be ready for fall, you have to do plugs. Okay. There's no way that we can seed this stuff because number one, it's too hot. Yeah. You know, in the greenhouse, it's hundred. It can be a hundred degrees. These seeds, which is all cool season stuff of things like uh, digitalis. It takes five months to get that stuff ready. You know, you, you, we don't have five months. You don't have five continually cool months. No, it, to, it's, yeah. uh, you know, so that stuff, you need to buy plugs if you're going to grow it. So and that it was makes kind sense. of a good takeaway then from that. It was. Yeah. And it, well, it sort of was validation that that you're concept, that. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with that and that's yeah. smart. So um, this year I grew lisianthus for the first time, wow. which, you know, it's, it's one of those crops that, you know, it's like, it needs a book. You know, you, you need to read the book 12 times to figure it all out. It's I've just heard. not, it's a difficult crop. Yeah. And but the florists want it. The florists want it, right. Yeah. And so um, it's just us trying to figure out when it is we can grow it, that it, it makes sense for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so the lisianthus was a lot of fun. And I have to say it was a, sort of a miserable, um, a miserable uh, crop. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It didn't look like any of those pictures that I see from those places up north where People they're growing arm loads, arm loads of lisianthus. It was like it can fit in my palm, okay? The palm, you know, two hands here. Here, look at my lisianthus. And when I took the shots to show it, it was a very close up, you know? It's amazing what you can do on Instagram with, a, with a, your camera, you know? It's like, let's get really, really close. You cropped it tightly. <laughs> tightly, yes. But you're going to try it again. You're not, you're not defeated. Yeah, I am. I am. I, you know, it was one of those things where... With everything going on, I didn't get, I couldn't get the, um, I moved the plugs up and then yeah. I couldn't get them in in time. Yeah. And then it just went on and on and on. And then we had, you know, it's just, it was, it's one of those things we all deal with. And I hear it. Luckily, that's the best part about these things. We get together and we start talking and you realize, oh, it is not just me. Yeah. I'm not the only one that's yeah. doing this. Yeah. Having these issues. Well, and in, also in your case, you just, you're so active in the community and you have this full-time presence with your day job and we should talk a little bit about that i don't know how you you are working 24 hours a day Jen, yeah or you just sleep in the winter or something yeah i, I sleep in the van sometimes <laughs> few few minutes here a few minutes there so charleston parks conservancy you've been that horticulturist and you've had other hats in that right in that um for 11 years yeah. 11 years and uh we are a nonprofit that works with city parks and green space in the city of charleston and we do everything from Basically, our, our goal is to get people engaged with their parks. And when they do that, all kinds of things can happen. Mm -hmm. Like you do a renovation and you have thousands of hours of volunteer time because these people want to help you to special events, 
everything that engages the public to get um, involved in their parks. And, and so, use green spaces. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so we do renovations. We actually maintain what we renovate. Uh, we raise money for um, just all kinds of things that have to do with the parks. Well, and I was excited when you were showing me um, the, the parks yesterday about some of the um, education that relates to heritage plants, yes. um, like the roses. And right. then you also said you have community gardens where people can rent parcels to Right. To so grow. We, we have a community <laughs> garden program that we started uh, like five years ago and have several gardens that um, are set up in that system where you can lease a space for a year and then you renew it every year and we provide educational experiences on how to grow uh it's a super community engagement thing Mm -hmm. we have people in one of our in all the gardens that they like say oh my lord i've been living next to these people in my neighborhood for all these years and i never met them and And then we met them in the we met in the um the community vegetable garden Mm -hmm. so and then we we give to the food banks we have community beds where everybody works in those beds, and mm-hmm. those those are the general beds. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's also what we use when we do um, educational things like a garden-to-table event where we would take the produce and have a chef work with us. We talk. Uh, we use those for teaching how to grow and how to harvest. We're yeah. doing Carolina golden rice this year for the first time, and everything from how to grow it to how to mill it by hand, That's which crazy. is not an easy thing. And then we've also talked with a local mill in Columbia, South Carolina, that has a special um, milling uh, milling device mm-hmm. that can do small batches. So they're gonna they're gonna help us with that. So people are gonna actually mills. grow their own rice. Yeah, and and we're we're actually myself next year. I'm gonna grow Carolina Gold rice for floral. I know. I'm so excited to see how that looks. Yeah, it's it's golden. It's golden beautifulness. I mean, wow. it's it's just. A, and I know the, the local florists will love it. Um, I, it it's funny because we have things that I've been growing around the, the garden here that I've been using in some of the designs and bringing them to some of these events, like the farmer's market thing where we did the, the bloom battle event. Uh-huh. And one of the other designers was like, I want that. Can you grow that for me? And I'm like, sure, girl, I can grow it for you. You know, Is so, that the chesmanthemum? Yeah, Is that, that how chesman- you say it? Chesmanthium latifolium. It's okay. the river oats. Yeah. And... Uh, it's just a beautiful plant, and it's it has movement in a design. Um, it's light and airy. It says everything about you know the South um, because of and actually that plant grows all the way north. I mean, it, yeah, it just doesn't grow as well as for us. It's fantastic. I know farmers that are growing a version of that. We, we I know it in the West is quaking grass because it's got that flat seed. Yes, right? but there's several other. Yeah, there's several grasses. So this that is do the that. this is the the one that does really well here. It does. Wow. Yeah. Um, we got to see each other a week ago in Vancouver, BC. We uh, did. Yeah. Uh, lucky for me. <laughs> Coast, we're, we're bi-coastal friends here um, at Hitomi Gilliam's Trend Summit. Floral and, Trend Summit, yes. Yeah. What, what did you say? It, it was the 2018 Floral Trend Summit. Floral Trend Summit. Sorry. Yes. No, no. Of course. The floral is the, is the operative word there. Um, and... You've attended before, and you've done a lot. You've studied with Hitomi, so I want to um, talk a little bit about your your. I, I alluded to this earlier. Your floral design side of your passion, because um, it's a big part of your life, and it's it, it's funny how the floral design and the growing farmer side are now finally coming together, yeah. and and they're relevant. And you kept those lives separate for a while. Yeah. So. What happened in 2005 and six? I made a decision based on 
this sort of drive that I have with all my, with my career that I needed to start developing something that was just for me that didn't have anything to do with sort of like I'm doing this because it's going to be the next step in my career. Right. So what I said, You're feeding your own, artistic feeding my side. own, right, yeah. the creative side, right. And so uh, what I decided to do was look at floral, the floral arts, mm -hmm. and I started looking around nationally to see what was going on, and I ran across Tatomi at an event that used to be held in uh, Texas at Texas A&M called Design for Excellence. Hmm. And it was great because there would be four instructors and all these students all over the country. And it was the first chance that I had to work like in that group setting, which freaked me completely because, you know, you, you're just like, I don't want anyone to see how horrible I am at this. <laughs> But, but Hitomi is the um, ultimate nurturer, so she probably made it not so painful. She did, and, and all, also the other instructors. Uh -huh. And, you know, the beauty of Hitomi that you find over time is Hitomi gathers people around her that are totally like her in their ability to convey the art form of floral in a way that allows you not to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm so, like, inexperienced I shouldn't mm -hmm. be here mm -hmm. and for someone like me who you know that was just um, I, I am very like um, not so uh, what do you what do you call you know this outgoing person uh -huh. who you know on stage it's fine yeah I'm performing and it's all good but then when you're through <laughs> it's like I want to run the other direction right Mr. So, <laughs> so and it was like that in the design thing too uh -huh. so it took time to like do the designs and have to present these to people and tell talk about what you were doing so anyway, I started with Hitomi and then it just led all over the world. Wow. I mean, I've been with that group to Paris. I've been to um, Barcelona. I just, and I've studied with all these different artists all over the world. And I'm just, I feel hugely. Uh, That's inspiring. Yeah, inspired, but at the same time, very fortunate yeah. to have done that. And, yeah. and then, um, as you say, it's all starting to come together now because I started the farm and then the floral part, which I've been doing for all these years, I realized I could take what was going on with our local flowers and I could insert it into other different types of designs. You know, if you look at what's going on in design, a lot of it's wedding and event work, mm -hmm. but the thing that's starting to sort of emerge even more now is the idea of lifestyle and how flowers fit into the everyday right. kind of aspect, which is why I'm so excited about the millennial generation because they don't carry with them all these preconceived ideas about, number one, what this flower means. They just like the flower. Like a gladiola Like gladiolas. Yeah. And, you know, I keep, I sort of talk about that all the time. And I know people are maybe like, oh, Lord, that gladiola thing again. But it excites me when I see these millennial people, the, you know, this age group, hauling these glads out of the, uh, the, the grocery store chains by the handfuls and... If you talk to anybody of like our age group, yeah. they, they associate gladiolas with funeral work. Right. You know, right. And, and funerals. And I just love that idea. It's like, see, it's that something old is something new. Right. It's like this, there's none of this like baggage associated with a, a poor, poor little flower that's sort of been written off. <laughs> right. Head and out. And breeding wise, there's some really cool things happening in the glad spectrum with like, um, splotches and oh, and, the and color, the color choices. Yeah, you know, you can build whole designs off of the color in one one blossom. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's it's just amazing. And 
you know, for us as Southern growers, in fact, I've got a crop out there in the field right now, which is about the only thing I have in the field right now, and they're going to flower in another month. And we're talking, it's in at September. Time, at a time of year when you don't typically... You're not going to have anything a, out yeah. there for the most part. You know, you could have done some successive plantings with zinnias and some of the other things, you mm. know, the, the farmer's market fair, which we would have had to because we had two floods this summer come through our fields. Um, so we had to mow everything down, You've basically. started over a couple times. We, we have, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And you're right now you're um, pretty much growing for your um, just for your own design work or are yeah. you selling to florists as well? No, we're selling. Okay. We've been selling buckets to uh, several either either developments or some florists who want some things that we have. I haven't done a lot of it just because I haven't been growing enough quantity. Yeah. This is kind of your your pilot This year. is the I'm learning sort of yeah. uh, thing and also, you know, it's sort of that transition from vegetables to floral. And we started offering our floral in our CSA farm share, which has been phenomenal because talk about marketing your product. You know, we have yeah. these green bins, which are, which are cute and they have the name on it. But once you stick a flower in there, everybody goes berserk, especially the market we're going to, which is, you know, the women who are 20, 25 to, well, as far as I'm concerned, 92 yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's usually the you know up to the 60 year yeah. olds that mm -hmm. are that keeping with us for for a long time well um it's brilliant because they're already invested in local food and so when they realize that they can get beautiful local flowers with their farm share right it's it sounds like that's a built-in audience well they're and the other thing is then we can start talking about how to design it in their homes and so i can send them shots of look what we did with this. It's not the normal bouquet, which is a hand tied or, um, or you know, plunked, down, plunked in down in a vase that, you know, so it, 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 it's that. And we talked a lot about this at the Floral Trend Summit that we really need to start as designers giving that age group some options. It's not high design, mm -hmm. but, but it's like we talked about these subjects for the, the, our program that we just did. Right. You know, the, the idea of structure. Well, what's so, what, why talk about structure? Because these millennials want a, a successful experience with these flowers. And what we heard at the, at the thing in Vancouver from the mass marketers who sell to the grocery stores, which it was just phenomenal to talk with those people because they do all the research, they have all the data, and they know their numbers. They know what that. sells. Yeah. And what they told us was is that for the most part, if they go on the... Who buys in the grocery store? The men, for the most part, and that millennial level, usually buy the pre-done bouquets with the different combinations. Sure. Just ready to go. Ready to go. The women buy peace. So they're buying a grouping of glads, a grouping of this, and then they go home and do something with it. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that we have to like talk to and say, hey, think about this. And so structure, they have some kind of structure at home that maybe we provide in an artistic way that looks beautiful in the home. And, you know, they live in apartments and they live in places that aren't, you know, it's not huge homes yet. They're right. not there. So they want something that's beautiful, that doesn't take up so much space. They can bring those home, take the wrappers off and stick the individual stems in a structure. And that way they've had success. And people come over and they're like, oh, my gosh, look at you. You're a designer. That's yeah. what we need to be doing. Yeah. And there isn't a lot of product made, ready made for that. Not as much as you would I mean, hope that there I, the was. The only thing I can think of listening to you is like sort of those those clusters of test tubes you see yes, you know right. that's about it and that's the frog thing you know yeah. but even that is sort of not 
So I think there's a big market there mm-hmm. to start providing some really creative, beautiful, interesting structure kind of things, um, you know. And th- and then that brought up the whole idea of collections, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that sort of came from sort of the vintage interest that what you saw in millennials to go out and buy collections of things in antique stores or find from their grandmothers that they could then put in groupings on the table and fill with single flowers. See, right. this whole single flower thing, it's really where I think y- y- we're going to get them It's like the gateway design. It's the gateway. Yeah. It is, totally. Well, I also like what you said about uh, collections could be uh, collections of, of types of plants, but if it's the vessels, it is often the ups, ups, upscaling or repurposing of something that maybe is affordable. It's affordable or it's something that... You know, they see somewhere that's, oh, there's 10 of this and that, that, you know, no, and you're not really using it. Or you take things in your house that you already have, everyday things, and you do, you do your, your collection in that. And I've heard from a lot of florists that they, and I think it's, it's best to just go with this flow and not fight it, is like they'll have bride, bridal clients who, who, who collect milk glass for a year. Uh, from going to the Goodwill or thrift stores, or they collect, um, you know, crystal or whatever it is to get that kind of sense that they're part of the design process. And so maybe that's oh, that's, and, that and isn't that the way it ought to be? Mm-hmm. You know, we want we want these brides and these events to have that personal feel to them, and if that's a way for that yeah. to happen, yeah, um, and the, I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I love what you design. It's so out of the box compared to the kind of work I do. And I'm, I'm seeing the possibilities of using branches, of using um, metal, uh, using wacky things like plastic and color um, to have the, whatever supports the flowers be as beautiful as the flowers themselves. And I, I think that that's, that's maybe the next wave of what we'll start seeing I know you as being training with the, e- you're getting your EMC certification. Right, which and is working. a European master certification. And yeah. It's I mean, a, a three, uh, three part process. So you take classes in the United States with some really cool designers that are European based as well as Hatomi Gilliam was a part, is a part of that program as well. And so then you do a self practicum part two, where you have to do all these designs and learn about all the botanical names and, it's a lot of fun at my age trying to learn and relearn that stuff. And I even went through college learning that I stuff. I know. So. You should have a leg up. <laughs> it's not as easy as you think it is. Things change over time, and your mind wants you to go back to what you know. Yeah, things get reclassified. It, totally. It's horrible. And then part three, you go to Belgium, and you finish there. So yeah. I'm getting ready to do part three. Yeah, and uh, but I think that that is sort of um, a, this world of art that hasn't quite influenced the mainstream floral design. But I feel like you passionate about wanting to do that coming back maybe after you uh finish your uh last last branch of emc training in belgium and you'll start doing some other types of teaching here then in in charleston in your in your studio or with your with your customers um and that's exciting yeah and i've been lucky because i've had some clients in charleston who are more contemporary based and their homes are Mm -hmm. and so basically what they do is they've said hey come in and do whatever you want and those are the best clients, actually. Yeah, everybody loves those. And so clients. I've been able to play over the years with that, um, with a lot of structure work. So yeah. I just I want to start doing some structures that can sell in this town that are some of the things that we've done yeah. that are not 
like mega expensive, but right. and not, provide value. Yeah. And yeah, they're accessible. Accessible. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think you started it with um, a few of the elements you use on Monday. I won't give them away, but when I post the photos, I'll describe the things what that you use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, this has been so much fun, and uh, we have a little bit, half more day before I have to fly out of here. I know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there, is there anything I didn't ask you, Jim, that you want to bring up? Um, we'll, we'll put links uh, to know, all these things we've talked about. I, I'm sort of like, and we both are at this point, we've reached this stage where all these years that, that we've been doing things, these these relationships are all starting to converge again. Isn't that great? And I'm in love with that idea. You know, everything that we're, all of us are out there doing, um, we're able to, I think, it's like start helping each other again based mm -hmm. on where we've gone with different things. We've kind of gone full circle. It has. And yeah. um, sort of like we're in our the collaborative part of, of life right now. It feels like that way to me anyway. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think that that's really what, what it is about. And if you look at like these new gener the new generation, collaboration is, is, is that's totally what it is. Yeah. You know, we we have to work with each other. I yeah. mean, it's a global world, but we need to live in it in a local way. Yes. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And also just the sense of you have a community. You have many communities, and I do too. But it's the, the people that I met here were I can tell really uh, unified in their commitment to changing the floral landscape in Charleston, both the farmers and the florists. And there's a lot more people that need to get in that tent, but the tent is there. And that's that's what uh, it's gonna, you're going to build on. And it's exciting. It's a nice metaphor. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Th uh, we're going to have a lots of links to share uh, in the show notes at DebraPrinzing.com for um, Compost in My Shoe, for Charleston Parks Conservancy and Low Country Flower Growers, and probably... Um, I don't know what else. We'll think of some other things to throw in there. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Climate's impact on flower farming is seemingly worse than ever. Last weekend, I also reached out to Melissa Smith of Freilich Farm in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. She's a leader of this SC Upstate Flower Growers Group, many of whom attended the Southern Flower Symposium. Melissa sent this update. She said, So far, Florence has been a non-event here. Every time I look at the radar, my farm is just outside where the worst rain and wind is hitting in this area. I'm really grateful that we appear to have been spared this time. Notice she says this time. Well, next week you'll hear my interview with Kim Burton of Denver's City Gal Farms, who two weeks ago was hit with a freak hailstorm, not the first of the area's 2018 disasters. We have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious, and I know you feel it too. I value your support, and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprincing.com. 
the Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 360,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors who are supporting the Slow Flowers podcast. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Star's loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnny'sseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together. And whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers Dreams Big for the industry's future. Head to teamflower.org slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. 